Hello, and welcome to Come Towards Delight, the podcast. I'm your host, Mike Gregson. My mission is to find everyday people who are delightful. The people I interview have attractive energy and a positive outlook on life. And I want to give them a platform to share their stories so that others can have hope in the midst of their struggles and see delight in a world that at times can seem gloomy. I will uncover the life experiences of the guests that I interview, which have enabled them to look at life in such an inspiring and delightful way, with the belief that to understand the light, one has to be acquainted with the dark. My guests will share their personal experiences on finding their way through dark and hopeless times and give us a glimpse into the powerful gifts they received in their darkest hours to rise up, take up hope, and view life through new, hope-filled eyes. Is it possible that in our darkest hours, we are given a gift to find the light which leads to our greatest delights? Hello, everybody, and welcome to Come Towards Delight, the podcast. I'm your host, Mike Gregson, and tonight with me, I have a wonderful guest, uh, Curtis Lamb, and he is from Draper, Utah, and just an incredible story that he is going to share with us tonight, and and boy, have you gone through your fair share of trials here, my friend. So, Curtis, thanks so much for being here with us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Excited to have you out. Um, So, Curtis and I met a few years back. I, I work for Marriott. And with Marriott, um, I go around to companies and really try and set up rates and really just try and serve the community and make sure we, we get all the business right. But it's all relationship-based. And so I try and go to all these networking events. And one of the big ones, if you're living in Utah, is called Corporate Alliance. And I think they changed the name. It's been a few years, like 2016. So, so I go to Corporate Alliance and here I am, the smiley guy walking around with all this energy and just trying to say hi to everybody and what do you need? How can I serve you? And I sit down at the table and instead of me being the smiley guy saying that to somebody else, I get it from somebody else. And that's Curtis. Now it's, uh, you know, I sat down and right away, you know, I, I, I remember that day and I remember right away we connected and, and we started to talk and, and it was one of those conversations you, you go obviously for corporate Alliance and they put you in situations where you have moments throughout those meetings where they try and really help you get to know somebody in a business sense and in a personal sense so that you can help them, help them grow, help them learn, help them get connected, right? You, you're there to serve each other. So that was already part of it, but, but, but I could tell with you, Curtis, that that was who you were as well already. Little did I know how much you'd already been through up to that point in your life and you still had some things to go through. So we started to follow each other on Facebook. We connected, we started to follow each other. And, and shortly thereafter, I, I started to see that you were doing these, these rides, you know, you you ride your bike and, and you were doing some charity rides and, and come to find out it was for Huntsman Cancer Institute, which is awesome to me because my dad obviously died of brain cancer, you know that. And, and so that's, that's a special thing for me. So when I would see your, your posts, obviously I'd stop and it, and it was very interesting to me and, and I could tell, wow, this guy's been through a lot and I didn't know your full story, but when I moved back to Utah and I started this podcast, you were one of the first people I thought of because I knew that there was something there and I didn't, I didn't know exactly what it was. So I've got this little questionnaire that I send out, I've got a few, few questions on it and I get it back from Curtis. I'm like, holy cow, man, this is, is going to be a 10 part episode. So no, but, but Curtis, thank you so much for, for coming out to my home tonight and being here with me. And, and I know that in us getting vulnerable and sharing our stories that somebody who listens 
benefits and and it stays with people and and just that the power of of faith and courage and overcoming to somebody who's hurting and and feels despair in their soul it sticks with them and and that helps them just a little bit to have a little bit more hope every day and so i'm i'm excited that you'd come out and you'd share that with us so anyway curtis welcome take it away my friend oh yeah thank you very much thanks for having me yeah I'm really excited. And I do too. I remember that day uh, vividly. It's one of my fondest memories, actually. And I remember uh, after we, after I left the table and I talked to one of the, to the, to the young women that worked there, she said, yeah, I think you and Mike, I think you guys hit it off. Was it Brenda? No, it was, it was Drew actually. Okay. Yeah. 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 And she's like, I I thought that you guys might uh, enjoy sitting at the same tables. I put you together and it was, I remember I left and I thought, man, that guy's a really cool dude. And I, I only heard a small portion of your story at the time. And I just remember being completely awestruck myself. So for me, it had a, a huge impact. And like you said, after we connected on Facebook and I followed you to some of your journeys, um, you're always in the back of my mind. I saw, I saw your posts and stuff. So I really, I really appreciate your inspiration. Thanks, man. Sure. I, I appreciate that. And you know, you, you hope you do something good yeah. with all the all the stuff you go through in life. You just hope you can turn around and put something good out there. So thank yeah. you. Thank yeah. you. This is about you though. Let's <laughs> let's get into it. Here we go, right? All right. So born in I'm I just learned this, but born in Hawaii. Yeah. Lived there a short time and yep. then you came out to you you lived in Arizona for mm-hmm. quite a while. And I'm gonna let you jump in. So okay. take it away. Yeah, so um I won't I won't give you kind of the whole life uh you know, timeline here, but um you know, growing up, I had, I had a number of different challenges as a kid. It was interesting. I was always kind of the sickly kid and, um, you know, it just kind of became natural to me. I, I actually was diagnosed later on in life. I'd been, I'd just gotten married, had my first kid and I had, because of all these health problems I'd had, um, I was di- diagnosed with this immune disorder. And I remember the doctor telling me I went in there and he comes out with this diagnosis and he says, your life's changed from here on out. And me and my, my son was at the time, probably three months old. You know, I'd been married two years and, um, he used a couple other very colorful words. I'll put it that way. It was the first time I'd ever heard like a medical physician actually use some language. Was he cussing? Uh, Oh, totally. (laughs) I was in Vegas at the time, actually I was living there, but anyway, that kind of just, you know, I was like, okay, you know, we, we have something that we've got to, we've got to go through and, and we've, we've, found a way to, to live through that. But kind of fast forward, uh, briefly in 2004, I'd been married for 12 years at the time and I was going through a divorce and it was really, really a struggle as most people that have gone through divorce uh, or are going through a divorce know. It's just your emotions and everything is just being pulled from one direction to the next. It was really hard. It was a hard decision to try to decide and, and to make if I was going to actually get divorced and, and, and move on in a different direction with my life. And I remember having this experience. I was alone in a, in a really divey stay, uh, extended stay or one of those, you know, where you have a little fridge and yeah. I, I can't remember it was in, it was Albuquerque, New Mexico. And I was by myself. My family at the time had, was still back in New England where we were living. I was just struggling. They had just built the Albuquerque temple there. And I thought, you know, it was really hard. And I, I, I remember sitting down and reading in, in my scriptures and, and I had this thought that it's okay. You know, it's, everything's going to be great. You're going to, there's going to be, there's going to be some stuff, but it's going to work out. And that kind of set this tone for me that 
I was being watched over, you know, I mean, I had some experiences prior to this that also lend to this feeling, but this was kind of a reaffirmation of the fact that somebody was watching out for me. All, all you needed to do at that point was trust. You didn't know what that meant. Yeah. But just trust no matter what, it's going to be okay. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And I, I didn't know. I mean, it was, things were so up in the air. Um, well, to kind of get to the, to the meat of things in 2009, 2008, actually, I moved up here to Utah, 2006, I moved to Utah. Um, and things were going great. 2008 comes around and, and I had, I had this really kind of strange feeling one night and I end up in the emergency room. And of course, because of my history, I have kind of things that show up on scans and stuff as it is. The emergency room doctors came in and they're just like, you know what? You are really sick. And I said, yeah, I kind of know that. I've kind of been that way my whole life, yeah. but you know, tell me something new, but he's like, no, seriously. Um, I'm going to make an appointment with a doctor for you. You need to go see him tomorrow. So you didn't know what that meant. No. I mean, you felt like you were kind of like, yeah, yeah I am here. I'm, I'm not feeling too well, but there's nothing earth shattering here. Right. Yeah. And, he's, yeah. Huh. And, and I thought, okay, it's just, it's just, you know, one of these things I've dealt with. And so he's like, I want you to see this doctor. She's an oncologist. And I'm like, whoa, okay. an oncologist. I know what oncology yeah. means. So, um, I actually have a brother-in-law who lives here in Utah, who's a surgeon. And I called him on the phone that night while I was the, the next morning. And I said, Hey, this is what happened. He came down with me to the oncology, um, clinic down in uh, American Fork. And we talked to the doctor. He was there with me to kind of help interpret as I was like standing there sure. like awestruck. And they told me that I had lymphoma and that they uh -huh. needed to put me on a table and start in, infusing me with chemotherapy, like within the next couple of days. Like right then. Yeah. So literally two days later, I'm in the operating room. They put a port in my chest, which I still have because I use for different stuff. And they're like, okay, we're going to infuse the, we're going to infuse the chemo through this port. And in the meantime, I called my immunologist and I said, Hey, this is what's going on. Can you, I don't know, do something. And so he, He's also a pathologist and he's the director of pathology up at the University of Utah. And so they did a bunch of tests on the blood and, and long story short, two weeks later, they come back and said it was, it was false, false positive. Oh my gosh. So during this time, I'm like, okay, I guess I'm going to be put on this, um, you know, I'm going to go through chemo and do all this stuff. Holy cow. Anyway. Holy cow. So now was your brother-in-law kind of there with you through this whole thing too? Yeah, he was. And, and, and frankly, um, yeah, I lived close to him and so he was kind of like my confidant. Yeah. I would, I would be like, Hey, you know what, what should I be worried about or not worry about? And, and he wasn't like an oncologist or anything, yeah, but yeah. still he's, he, you know, he's a surgeon. He'd been through yeah. medical school and knew a bunch of people and so forth. So, but anyway, so I thought, Hey, you know, it's great. We're, we're back on track. Okay. So, you know? so where did you have a moment where you were like, what? Like, are you kid? Like, were you, did you get angry? I, I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I got angry. I got kind of scared okay. because I was like, because my immune system is already way compromised and you know what chemotherapy does to yeah. the immune system. Oh, it, it destroys kills it. it. Yeah. Right. That's what it's supposed to, to the do. brink you know of that. death. So you can come back and it's like, yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm already got a compromised immune system and, mm. and they're like, we're going to put you in chemo. And so we were having these discussions. So that kind of made me very concerned because I didn't know how that would yeah, take with, to my body, yeah, right? Yeah, with your autoimmune uh, disorders. Yeah, auto autoimmune disorder, right? It's a it's an immune disorder, not yeah. autoimmune, but okay. it's a it's a 
it's called common variable immunodeficiency. I mean, it's a, and you had this your whole life, but you didn't know until you were married 12 years after you're married. Yeah. Ah. You know, it was kind of crazy, but, um, so, you know, we thought we got past that. It was like, Hey, great. And you know how life is life challenges come whenever. I mean, we, we can't, we don't choose them. The classroom of life, right? right. Yeah. yeah. What's next? What's next? Yeah. So, okay. Move this one out here. In comes another. And so, I was the, the following year, uh, I, I was gone down to the country of Panama. My cousins were living down there. My dad and, his, and my, my uncle had spent a bunch of time down there. And I went down there for a vacation. Um, I just wanted to get away. And all of a sudden, I started getting really like uncomfortable in my, in my abdomen. And I'm like, yeah. what in the heck is going on here? And I knew something was wrong, and I felt really frail. And I, I remember I looked back on these pictures um, that I took and it was just, I looked really horrible. I remember getting on the plane and I was miserable. Like I was so uncomfortable. I didn't know what was happening. Hmm. So I um, get off the airplane of all people. I called my ex-wife and I said, Hey, can you come take me to the emergency room? Picks me up from the airport. We go to the, to the university of Utah and they didn't know what was going on either. So what did they do? They admitted me into the Huntsman cancer Institute because of the lymphoma diagnosis from the previous year. So they're like, what's going on? And so I spent about a week there. Kind of start there and work backwards. Yeah. yeah mm -hmm. Okay. Like, okay, let's, let's get you here because this, you had this quote unquote diagnosis and let's take a look at it. Well, you said you noticed a physical, like you look back at those pictures and you can see in your physical appearance, like you were sick. Did you notice that at all before the trip to Panama? You know, I knew something was happening. But you didn't see it yet. Ah. I knew something was, I just, I was, my body was changing and it just, it was really weird. I was down there for only 10 days, I think, but within three or four of being down there, it I just mean, I rocked was just, it. yeah, it was. Well, and I'd imagine, I, I mean, I'm no doctor or anything, but the, the changing in altitude and pressures, I'm, I'm, I'm imagining that probably triggered a few things within your body and that's, that's tough. Yeah. Oh, anyway. Okay. So you're, you're a backup at the Huntsman cancer institute yep. and, and what happens from there well finally they come in after a week and they said you know good news you don't have cancer but we think your liver is there's a problem um so we're going to refer you to the liver the gastroenterology people here at the university of utah and you can uh, you know when you want you to see the liver specialist there so when you want to yeah so they released you and just yep. said here's where you're going to go yeah. Okay. So they said, so we're going to release you because you're not, you know, technically you don't have cancer, so we can't keep you here. So go home and go see this doctor. So I went and saw him and sure enough, I mean, he, right off the bat, he's like, I can tell already you have liver disease. So physically you look, are you really, he just looked at you and he's yeah. like, Hey, yeah, he could tell. I was very emaciated. Um, I looked like a skeleton, but I had this big belly. Uh, because my liver wasn't processing fluids or anything. It was super uncomfortable. Yeah. And, you know, and he knew it. He could tell it. But he's like, hey, we're going to do blood work. We're going to do all the tests just to confirm it. And sure enough, he's like, yeah, I, you have cirrhosis. And I'm like, wait a second. I made it a point to not ever drink alcohol one drop in my life. And you're telling me I got cirrhosis? Like, I thought that was for people that drink a lot, you know, yeah. kill, their, kill their liver by, by alcohol or something. So we started talking about, you know, what that meant. And I said, well, so, okay, what do we do? He's like, well, there's really not a lot you can do. No I kidding. Mean, you can get a transplant. And I'm like, Great. transplant? Sign me up. Yeah. What like, does that mean? Transplant? I'm like, whoa. 
Okay. <laughs> and he said, but, you know, we can help manage this until you get the transplant. And manage it means we're going to give you some medication to help the fluids drain through your body. And then when you, when your liver completely just shuts down um, and, it, and it kind of achieves this score that they kind of watch, then you'll be on the list. We'll put you on the list and then you'll get a transplant. Hopefully. 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 Because yeah. there's a chance that on the time that you get high enough on this list, you're like, it, you said it was a scale of one to 10, right? Yeah. You get high enough on that list, like a six. I think so, and, yeah. And you still have a ways to go, but there's other people in front of you. Yeah. And by the time you get to where you need to be to get that next liver, you could be to the point where you, you're about to you're like you're already near death you could die yeah so the chances i mean it's there's no guarantee yeah and you got to find a compatible liver yeah you know it's not just (laughs) anybody's liver and then with my immune disorder it makes it even more not you know you may the chances of you your your body accepting accepting it yes not rejecting it and eat oh so holy cow so you know and they just said why we'll just monitor you and and at that point i felt kind of like everything had just kind of come in and just kind of collapsed on like me. a black hole almost like, like black everything hole. sucked in and there it is yeah so was the doctor at that point when he was telling you about this was he basically hopeless talking to you as like we're gonna do the best we can to like take care of you and we mm. hope that the transplant will work out but good luck yeah i mean in his mind the best thing to happen was a future transplant because the liver was going to die. And the hope was that you would have a transplant and things would go great. And then you would, you know, extend your life out another 10 years. Sure. You know, and again, I'm at 30, I'm 39 here at this point. And so I'm like thinking, man, I, I've got a, I thought I had a long life to live. And you're telling me that, you know, within five years, I'm going to have a transplant and then I'm going to hope it sticks. You know, and I'm like, I, I don't know about this. And even if it you know? does, from what I understand, even if you do and it sticks, then you still probably, there may be another time that you need to get another transplant later on in the future, right? You know, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and you, you know, you take medications to keep it from rejecting and so forth. And that could happen at any time that it just decides to reject something. And, and you never know. So yeah. there's all kinds of unknowns about about that. And I'm sure, I don't know if people listening, maybe some people have gone through that or know people that have, I know a number of people that have actually had this since I had it. And, um, one of them passed away. (sighs) They got to that point where their score got up to the point where they could be on a list, but kind of what they needed to happen to you. Mm -hmm. And then they passed away. They never made it. They never made it to the transplant because it just accelerated. And I had a, a friend who I went to, um, high school with, in Arizona who ended up having certain same thing. Mm. And so it's not, it's not good. And I felt really kind of just dark. That was the darkest probably time of my life because with, with cancer, I felt there was at least an option of chemo. This was something where, you know, it was me and my two boys. Really. I was single at the time. I really felt like what's going to happen to them. Yeah. I mean, their mom was still around. Right. I mean, so it wasn't like they were going to be left with nothing, but From my perspective, I really, really felt this kind of despair for them, you know, and I had seen how they reacted to my original cancer misdiagnosis, if you will. And it was hard, especially on my, on my nine-year-old at the time. I mean, he was really, 
you know, it was hard for yeah. him. So I was thinking, oh, how am I going to tell him this? Sure. You know, but the fact that they told me that there was nothing I could do really, um, one, it didn't kind of sit well with me, you know? Yeah. Cause I don't like to be in the circumstances that you have no hope, you know? I mean, that's a bad place to be. You know, when you feel no hope, you feel dark. You feel like there's nothing. That's kind of how I felt because that's the, the result in my mind of what they were telling me was going to happen with this diagnosis. You know, I had to let that sit in and, and um, figure out what was I going to do. Yeah. So, so even though you're in this moment, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but you're saying even in this, very, even this moment, this very moment where you're going, the doctors are basically saying I've got to go all the way to like my deathbed. And just before I get in that coffin, mm-hmm. hopefully there's a liver transplant. If it doesn't happen, I'm gone. Yep. Right? And this medication kind of speeds up the process, right? And you're saying that you had a seed of hope still in you? Or were you, were you, were you in despair mode where you were like, there's no hope? Like, I think, you know, I hit, I hit kind of the bottom. Yeah, that's your rock where, bottom. Where you don't have the hope. Yeah. Okay. So somewhere you have to find it. You know, you get to that point and it's almost like, okay, here is you. It's up to you now to take and try to find hope. Yeah. You know, somebody's going to help us find the hope, but we have to go looking for it. And at that point, that's where I started to say, okay, well, I can just sit here in my house and not do anything and just wither away until all this takes place. Or I can try something. And I've always had a very strong faith um, in a supreme being and a father in heaven. And, um, I had other experiences growing up that are maybe for a different podcast, but, <laughs> but led me to this faith. Okay. So I knew that, that I wasn't dead. That meant there was some glimmer of hope. I can choose. Yeah. I still have will, right? Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. I have this will that I can do it. Okay. So, um, despite the medical community telling me there was nothing I could do, I thought, well, I'm going to do I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to figure it out. I'm just going to do. Yeah. And uh, so. Here I come, WebMD. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Actually, that, you know, those places, I don't know if they give you hope. I don't think despair. so. No, whenever I tell my wife I'm not feeling well, she's like, how are you feeling? Tell me your symptoms. She goes on that. And I'm like, oh, that's not going to help. Yeah. Like, you stay away from right. that. <laughs> Turn that off. Yeah, yeah. So, no, I just, I just said, you know what? If I don't have any muscle, because literally I look like a skeleton, I went to the gym. And it was kind of embarrassing because I literally couldn't bench press the bar. Good for you for going though. Recognizing that it doesn't matter how people look at you right now because they will, whatever. Yeah. But you, you were doing like, you knew that you needed to do something. So you started. Yeah. I just, just start. Right. So I went and, and it was, I mean, there was some psychological, like, oh my gosh, people are looking at me. I've got this, I've got this gut, but I've but I'm thin as a rail. And then I just started, you know, trying to take some protein drinks, even though my liver wasn't processing protein, at least that's what they said it wouldn't, and um, changed a little bit of my diet. My mom was a very holistic, hey, you got to change your diet and get rid of sugars and all this kind of stuff. So she jumped in and kind of got you going on that, yeah? Oh yeah, for sure. And Good job, mom. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) kudos to mom there. She's she's always done that throughout. But she actually connected me, I didn't tell you this, she actually connected me with a guy in Arizona 
and I'm not advocating this to anybody, yeah. so I don't want to say go off the rails and, and do some really crazy. But if you want to reach out to him and ask him what he did, <laughs> I'll give you the contact info. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, he, she hooked me up with this Chinese doctor, this guy from China who was a PhD in liver functions. And, you know, he had this uh, stuff that he would do. And, you know, most Eastern medicine is, is herbal based right. and such. And so um, he gave me some hope. He's like, look, I've seen this happen. I've seen a number of people come through here and we're able to help get their liver, um, you know, malleable or yeah. whatever you want to call yeah. it, you know, function again. Yes. So the so stuff processes. And I'm like, Hey, again, I'm, I'm wanting to do right. Yes. My, my medical professionals and I'm not knocking the medical profession, but right. I love them. Yeah. I have so many people that I love and appreciate there, but there's nothing that we can do. They so, do the best they can, but they're not perfect. Yeah. And they have limited knowledge just like all the rest of us, but they right. do the best they can and they've studied hard. So we trust yeah. them. Yeah. You trust right. them as, as far as you can go. Right. And I remember them telling me, Hey, you know, be aware of some of these herbal things. We've seen more people come in with bad livers as a result of, of all of them. these things. Yeah. Right? That same thing happened. When my dad had cancer. Really? My parents asked them, you know, there's, there's a bunch of people approaching us with some of these other things. Mm -hmm. Do we try them? What do we do? And they said, don't you think if they worked that we would actually be recommending those yeah. things? Sometimes they, yeah. So, I don't know. I, I yeah. think, but I think the point is when you're going through these things, Curtis, you, you stayed connected to God. Yeah. You knew that you needed to act. You didn't know exactly what that meant. It's not like God sent you down a blueprint and said, Curtis, do this, mm -hmm. but you felt hope. And so that hope caused you to act. Yep. And as you started to act, things started to kind of move for you. Yeah. And that was the key. And yep. so, and I, and I think when that happens, what I've seen in my life is when I act and I put the foot forward, I don't know what's happening. Mm -hmm. I, I can't, I don't have, I, you know, I can't see in the future, yep. but as I put the foot, the foot forward, all of a sudden those footsteps in front of me, the way lights up a little bit, gives yep. me a little bit. And I feel clarity towards, you know, like maybe it helps me get an extra foot or two. Mm -hmm. Right. And, mm -hmm. and then it expands and, and it, and it continues to do that for us. So yep. is that kind of what you felt at that time? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, it's like, like you, you, I mean that the example you just gave is right on the right on the head. I remember it kind of brings me back to Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. Actually, Indiana Jones episode three. Uh, it's the Last Crusade, I think, and he's going for the uh, the the cup. Right? Yes, yes. And he's getting ready to cross the 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 ravine. Yeah. And he's and he's going through all the clues, and he says, "You got to take faith." And he steps yes. onto what he thought was yep. an empty ravine, right? Yeah. And there happened to be a path. Amen. Hey, thanks, Indiana Jones. Right. Yeah. I love it. So, I mean, it was, but that's kind of the thing. You're right. So it kind of led me to, to taking steps. I knew that I had to do something because there, there really wasn't anything to do. And I don't know. I mean, you know, when I tell people about this stuff I took, they're like, oh, wow, that saved, that saved you. But honestly, it, it was a miracle, yeah. to be honest yeah. with you. I mean, it was a blessing from my father in heaven that he gave that to me. Um, the tea maybe helped. It was a little catalyst or something because it was my doing, uh, you know, it was my part in, in the whole thing. Yeah. But he was the one actually watching over me and, and my life changed. And as yes. I went back to the doctors, they were just, well, don't get your hopes up. You know, we've seen kind of this happen before. People seem to have kind of like a little bounce off the bottom, but don't get too excited about it. <laughs> It's so sad, man. It's like you walk out of there going, well, I feel better. And they're telling me I'm going to die still. I, yeah. I don't know that I'm going to trust that. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. hard. Yeah. So, I mean, you try to fight against those demons yeah. that, that are telling you there's no hope. There's, it's all despair. But 
it was cool when I kept coming back and I kept doing the small little things and little by little, I could lift the bar. Yeah. You know, I could do some curls. Yes. I started to feel like, Oh my gosh, I, I'm feeling good. And, um, and I went in there and, and they finally realized something was changing. Yeah. Something was happening that they couldn't explain. And they kind of were just like, congratulations. We, we never have seen this happen yeah. before. And so they passed me off to another guy. And, and to this day, we kind of keep following up on it. I sure. keep getting a little scared about things at a time. Yeah, but it's in the back of your mind yeah. always, right? But gradually, I, I stopped taking the, the diuretics okay. that would um, you know help. And I just, because I was like, look, I'm going to just try. I'm going to trust yeah. my body yes. and see what happens and trust my faith in my father. And like heaven. hopefully it reset. Yeah. And you can yeah. kind of go back to normal. Yeah. Because I didn't want to be on them forever and yeah. whatever. So. So yeah, little by little, I just kept doing it. And next thing you know, I'm, I'm feeling really, really good. Good. And so for a number of years, I was, felt great. You know, I, I felt like that I had been super blessed, like just a massive miracle in my life. Tell um, me, tell me time span wise, how, like how long from when you went into the hospital after the Panama trip to now you've gone you've seen this, this Chinese doctor and. Was his last name Miyagi by chance? <laughs> Sensei. Right. Yeah. Anyway, um, from from then until then, and and, and going back, and, and mm-hmm. you're feeling healthier. How what like how long is this? Uh, it was about a year and a half. And and this was 2008, correct? 2009. It, okay. Yep, 2009. So now you told me before we started talking that mm-hmm. as you go in and and you get diagnosed, you're also I mean the market crashes. Yep. You're in the financial industry and you lose, did you lose your job? Didn't lose my job, but it sure felt like it yeah. sometimes. I mean, I mean, yeah, was that, was, that was just crazy in 2008, right? Yeah. Everything burst. But so you're struggling there. Mm-hmm. You've, you're going through all these health things and, and it just, what, what's amazing to me, you hit your rock bottom, but you never got, you never got super angry. Like yeah. you got into despair where it's like, gloomy yeah, and, yeah. and doomy and there's no hope, Yeah, but you never got angry and bitter and, and the cards kind of have been stacked against you at this point. Yeah. What, what do you think kept you from getting angry at God yeah. and, and keeping that door open and keeping that hope alive? What, what was it? Was it that hope or that moment when you were sitting there holding your, holding your scriptures and that thought of hope? You know, um, actually it really came from experiences when I was even younger. Yeah. And it was this building of trust him and me along the way throughout my youth through different things that happened. And so for me, you know, I knew that I knew that I had problems. I knew that everybody has problems and that, you know, it's like, okay, well, these are just my cards. So I got to deal with them. So I don't ever recall ever getting angry at him, you know, like the, why me, why is this happening to me kind of thing? Because I always understood life, the plan of salvation. We came from somewhere. We're heading somewhere. And this, this life is for trials and challenges to refine us and to make us better. So it, I knew that from, from young age. I mean, my parents were great at teaching us and the things that I went through and I just felt like, okay, well, this is it. I mean, this is, this is my next experience. Let's, let's go. And um, if, if this is it, then this is it, you know? I mean, yeah. we're all here on earth for a limited period of time. We don't know when. So 
it's just a matter of you know how i suppose yeah uh, so no i i didn't really but like you said i there was times where i was really scared right i think most people yeah. get a little bit nervous when they think that they're maybe the end is yeah. near or something yeah. right but um but I, I didn't get angry as i'm sitting here listening to you i'm i'm, I'm thinking to myself god you know this guy you, you've been through a lot and when you when you stay con- you're you're aware right you're you're talking you're in in your language you're sitting there talking about I know other people go through so much and everyone's got their time frame and so that means you're aware you're aware of like even younger people than you that have died in what yeah. tragic accidents or whatever and yeah. so you're aware of that and you have an ability to look at that and say you know what I need to not like feel like I've been cheated or ripped off right, right? yep and and I'm assuming that. What what tends to happen when we get in those dark moments is either we open up and we connect, we we reach we reach out and we we let people in and we want people near us. We connect. It's mm. important to stay connected, or we close up. And if we close up, that's when that's usually when you see somebody go into that. Why me? What was me? Yeah. Like dark, it's a dark place. I've been there. Yeah. Were you, as you're going through this, are, are, do you have family that's like very close to you? Were you trying to stay connected with your family and your friends? And uh, tell me about that. Like, yeah. were you, how, tell me about your relationships throughout this. So I have a twin sister uh-huh. and she's kind of pulled me through life. Um, well, I hope so. Cause she got the better liver. Yeah. She got the better <laughs> liver. She came out first I mean, she's older. Okay. So it's her responsibility. Yeah. To take care of me, there right? you go. And <laughs> so, that was a plug right there. Right? right. What's your sister's name? Christine. Okay. Christine. I hope you hear this. Now. Yeah. So, I mean, she, she was always, um, there. So, uh, and she, she's the one that married, um, my brother-in-law who's awesome. a surgeon. Yeah. Okay. So both of them have been really instrumental in, in keeping track of me over the years and they're probably tired of it, but, um, but they're just good people. So yeah. they deal with it. You know, I think that, um, it was really my boys. Your boys. I was just thinking that. It's it was really boys. my two sons yeah. because again, I was single and it was me and them. That was it. Um, and I really, that was all that I could think about and really, you know, you know, it was more like, okay, if I'm gone, what's going to happen to them and how are they going to take the news of whatever, how is this going to impact their life? You know, cause like you said, I mean, we all have different experiences and, and, and it's not right or wrong because yeah. you had an experience of why me anger, you know, things like that. Yep. That doesn't mean that that was that you were wrong and I was right. right in the way I acted towards my challenges. Right? right. We act differently. That's just who we are. So that concerned me, my, my two boys, that was what I really wanted to, um, hang her on for. And, um, you know, kept me going. That's awesome. I yeah. and, and I think a difference is, is I hear your story. I'm like, you know, well, for me, I made a lot of mistakes. There was a lot of shame and that's what closed the, That's what made me want to close myself away mm-hmm. from people. For you, there's not shame because you've lived your life right. You've done good. Although hard things have happened to you, although you've gone through divorce and, and there's shame that comes with the divorce, no matter what, yeah. like even if you tried your best, like there's just going to be that. Yeah. That's part of it. It's hard. It's, it, uh, it's a struggle no matter what. And, and so that's there, but like, but you're doing, you're, you're living your life the best you can. You're, you're trying to connect with God. You're, tr- you're, you're keeping your faith and hope alive to say, okay, the doctors haven't really given me a great like diagnosis here. The, the options aren't really that good for me. Yeah. <laughs> it's like basically the deathbed or I get a liver right before I die but you're, you're hopeful and you're acting and you're moving. And to me, that goes to show a man that doesn't feel shame inside, but a man that wants, a man that wants to connect, a man that wants to, to meet 
when when we do that and that that's faith it, it brings connectivity into our lives and we stay connected that brings life mm -hmm. I, th I really believe that it brings a lot of life into us yeah. so but we're not done yeah. i mean this isn't like oh hey good the story's <laughs> over and, and now curtis is rocking right yeah. so so you do get remarried though right yeah so what was interesting is that right you know part of it okay so my boys were really a focus but i didn't want to die alone either yeah okay i mean i you know i want i want somebody i want somebody for eternity yeah right? yeah and that was part of my i'm not gonna lie that was part of my prayers yeah right like yeah. keep me around I, I really would like to marry somebody and have a family yes. again you know and so i really started feeling pretty good about April or May of 2010. Okay. And so, and I'm like, okay. And I, the, the crazy thing was I, I dated through this time. I don't know how anybody decided to go out <laughs> with me because I looked horrible. I oh. mean, I was just a miserable wreck, but I started finally feeling good. And, and I, I kind of opened myself up to being introduced to somebody. Sure. And so, um, and I'm going to make a plug out here. Oh, please okay. do. Everybody knows Zach Wilson, right? Yeah. He's stuff. awesome. Okay. So my, my wife, I met my wife through his mom. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. She was her next door neighbor. Yeah. And so uh, one night, I mean, I won't go into the whole details of how we're all connected, but um, she kind of said, hey, I got this friend that just went through a divorce. I think you should, you know, go take her out. So we did. We connected and. And she's amazing. Yeah. Uh, so I was super lucky. Another blessing that came to me so cool. right at the time where I was kind of coming back to on the up and up. Good. Yeah. yeah. So that happened. I got remarried, and like you said, I mean, we blended two families. Um, How many kids does she have? She has two. Awesome. And tell me her name. Tracy. Tracy. Yeah. All right, yeah. Tracy. And yeah, tonight she's uh, at home with two wrists in bandages because she just had carpal tunnel surgery oh, on both of her wrists. Oh, man. <laughs> so oh. She's a trooper. Um, but anyway, so we got remarried and, and things were going, you know, pretty good for me, right? Kids, I mean, blending families is a challenge in yeah, and of itself. Yeah, for right? sure. I mean, it doesn't matter who you are or whatever. But it's They're, one that you're willing to go through. Right. Like, you, yeah, as difficult as it is, you're excited about it. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and some nights you go to bed hating the world, but like <laughs> you get past it, you move yeah. forward. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I mean, the kids are great. They're, they're fantastic. Yeah. And we thought everything was great. And so 2018, so we had a few years of yeah. pretty good stuff going on. Whole eight years, man. Yeah, maybe eight That's years. incredible. Yeah. So, um, I noticed, uh, I had this lump on my arm and, and my wife was like, Hey, what is that? I'm like, I don't know. I think it's probably just a cyst or something. You know, we all get these yeah. little bumps. Yep. I've had one. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. Right. They, it's they a just cal, it's a, what is it, a calcium buildup or deposit yeah. or whatever. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And it kind of just kept getting, you know, bigger and bigger. And finally she's like, look, will you just please go just get that go. looked at? Yeah. And so I said, all right. Um, so I went and we had it looked at and the doctor she said, okay, let's just do a biopsy just to see what it is. And, and then we can know what we should do. So we did that. We went in and got the biopsy and came back. I met with the doctor in the office and she said, you know, I'm retiring, but, uh, but I'm going to have you go to this other person oh. to, to, to read this they're better equipped at this than me. They're going to deliver the news to you because yeah, I, I want to retire. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So she's like, um, but I'm going to give you this name. Her name is uh, Dr. Miles. She worked up at Intermountain uh, 
center and she's a she's a surgical oncologist oh and i kind of was like huh let me look up oncologist real quick that doesn't yeah. <laughs> that doesn't sound like something i'm aware of yeah i'm like i think i heard this term before yeah um but it kind of shocked me because she didn't want to say anything Right, she didn't want to say anything. That was there, like worry in her tone, kind of you know, like, "Hey, uh, yeah, yeah." And I think you know, to me, I was like, "Well, wait. I mean, why can't you just pass me off to the next, um, you know, primary care?" Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, and let them tell me what I got to do. Yeah. So she's like, "No, just we'll kind of skip a layer, so to speak. Just we'll just go to her." I'm retiring, so go go figure it out over there. Right, right. So I went up and met with her, um, and she said. Okay, yeah, well, we we did the biopsies, but um, we are we're just we haven't got the pathology back yet. I said, okay, great. Then what happened was I got a call, and they said, yeah, we want you to go do a CT scan. Hmm. And I said, well, wait, I I'm the guy that has this thing in the arm, and I know a CT of the chest. That's what they ordered. Right, is a CT of the chest. Yeah, right. I'm like, I got an arm thing. Yeah, this is a chest thing. Are you sure you got the right guy? What's going on here? Yeah, yeah. and he's like, no, it's just you know, it's just part of the routine. We just want you to go do it. And so, I said, all right, whatever. So, so n- they didn't. They weren't giving you anything. No. Oh no. Man. No like nuggets of anything. Oh, it was my just gosh. do this, and then we'll talk about it later, kind of a thing. So. Um, <laughs> So I went and had the, the CT scan. Well, my wife, she used to work for Intermountain Healthcare and she was always, you know, she's very, she likes the health industry and she's always on top of stuff. And so she obviously jumps right immediately, like the day after my CT scan, jumps into my health and she starts to read the CT scan. Oh no. Did she like recognize something was going on? Yeah. Oh. And she comes up to me and she said, Curtis, I think you need to call your brother-in-law. Holy cow. And I'm like, why? And she said, um, there's something on here that talks about an aortic aneurysm. Oh. And to me, I mean, I knew aorta meant something, something in the heart. heart. And so. And you knew what an aneurysm was, right? Kind of. Yeah. You know, I mean, you hear brain aneurysms. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like yep. something. So I knew it wasn't good. And especially in her tone was, you know, she was very concerned. Sure. And so I called my brother-in-law and I said, Hey, Steve, I just got this done. Kind of gave, filled him in on the details. And I said, I mean, it says I have an aortic aneurysm. What does that mean? And he's like, well, uh, how big is it? And I said, well, it says like six centimeters. And he's like, yeah, it's a problem. Uh. So he's like, I've got, I've got friends. He, he's, he was no longer practicing. He's, he, he does uh, business and well, stuff. Well, he's working full time for you. So how much are you paying him a year? <laughs> I think he's wondering that too. Like, oh my gosh, yeah. I could have, I could have, yeah, I made yeah. my own practice on one yeah. person. So he said, um, let me make a few calls. And sure enough, he had a couple friends that were still practicing up at the same hospital up there, Intermountain Healthcare. And I got a call from, from the surgeon friend of his and he kind of asked me a couple questions and said i think i've got a really good uh, person that you need to share these results with like asap yeah so um he referred me to this doctor dr Doty, john Doty. Okay. um he's a thoracic surgeon up at um intermountain Healthcare, and and then he so anyway so i get i get this done and I'm still kind of in limbo now because I've, I've given them my information and stuff. I really don't know what's happening. 
um, I'm going to lunch one day. So this all happened on a Monday. Wednesday, the the thir- the surgeon called me and said, kind of talked talked me through it and said, okay, how about we take care of it on Sunday? And again, I'm thinking, take care of. Okay, I, I get there's an annual, but I have what no idea what mean? that means. Yeah, right. Like, what does that entail? And where is it? Is it in your arm? It's in my heart. It's in. I was gonna say, so it's, yeah. it has to do with your heart, so it's not a vein. It's, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Whoa. So he's like, okay, now, um, but first what we want to do is we want to do um, angiogram where they look at all of your arteries and stuff to make sure that there's no blockages. And, Got you know, it. so he's like, hey, look, if we're going to be looking at your heart, let's look at all of it, everything around yeah. and kind of see what to do. So again, this is Wednesday. He said, why don't you come in on Friday? We'll do the angiogram on Friday and then we'll have you on the table Monday morning. You're like, huh. And again, I'm still kind of oblivious. You know, I don't know what this means still. So I was at lunch with my brother-in-law and my sister. And I said, what's he talking about? I'm stupid. I didn't ask questions. My wife always gets after me because I don't ask enough questions around this stuff. And he's like, that's, that's open heart surgery, man. And I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, crack you open, fillet you, you know, just pull that thing apart. Take your heart out. Or, you know, not take it out, but, you know, they work on do your their heart. stuff. Oh. So, you know, at this point, like I've had a lot of things in my lump life. in my arm. <laughs> Holy right. cow. Like, wait, I, remember, I'm still the arm guy. Yeah. Arm. Hey, so did you guys ever look at that thing on my yeah. arm? Can I get that removed? Or Right. Yeah. Okay, so you're ex- asking the exact questions that was going through my mind. I'm yeah. Like, okay, this all started with a scan of my, or a biopsy of my arm, and we're not even dressing this thing. Yeah, yet. yeah, okay. okay. Hey, guys. So I came for this. You're, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So I go in on Friday and I'm sitting in the, at the hospital and I'm sitting in my gown on my desk. I have, I'm all hooked up to things. They're getting ready to haul me back and I get a phone call and I had put the oncologist phone number on my phone and sure enough, it was her. So you knew it was okay. It was her. And I'm like, okay. They got the pathology report back. Yeah. So I, I got on, I answered the phone. And my mom and my sister, my mom, my sister had flown my mom up from Arizona. They're sitting here, you know, and um, my brother-in-law is actually there. And the lady, uh, the doctor says, yeah, it's, uh, you have cancer in your arm, in your bicep. It's a soft tissue uh, cancer and it's in your bicep. We need to get it out. Because the reason why they wanted the CT scan was because the sarcoma starts in a tissue but spreads to the lungs and so they said we want a ct scan because we want to know if it spread and that's where they cut the aneurysm yeah oh my gosh man so oh dude holy cow i mean you hear this and what is it what's your reaction what what is it like when you tell your family is everyone like Holy cow, man. Yeah. Like, what is this? Yeah. You know, I, my family gets a little bit, they're, they're kind of used to it. Yeah. But, but I think that they're a little bit more, I'm more used to it. Yeah. You know? So to me, I'm just like sitting on this thing in my gown and I'm like, okay, all right. And, um, and they were like, okay, well, what are we going to do? And so I, I told the doctor, I said, well, I'm actually here because you remember that, an, that aneurysm you found on oh, the scan? That's crazy. And she's like, yeah, and I said, well, we're taking care of that right now, and she and he said, and she said, great, go ahead and do that. That's priority number yeah. one. We'll we'll take care of the cancer once you've recovered. And so, <laughs> you know, here I am, and I'm like, okay, I've just I'm, I got open heart surgery on Sunday, two days from now, uh, or Monday morning, 
and I've just been told I got cancer. And so, but like you said, I think, you know, as I, as I kind of process through things, um, one aneurysms don't just, you don't just, you know, a lump, you see a lump and you go in and get it looked at. Yeah. Right? But an aneurysm is hidden and yeah. they can explode at any point. Yeah. Oh, and there's, there's many a people that that's happened to. So you right? caught the blessing in disguise to this thing instead yeah. of going, Holy crap. What the heck? Yeah. You caught the blessing in disguise. Maybe not right from the beginning. Yeah, I was going to say, in, in, in the, the be- moment. Yeah. In the moment, I was kind of like, okay, well, we've got two things now. We went from, we had this few years of nothing, and now we got two things here. And then, you know, as you start to think about it, and you think about life, and you think about, um, because most challenges, there's a blessing in there somewhere. Yeah. The I problem agree. is, is that we focus too much on the challenge the hardness of it yeah yeah and the and maybe what's happening to us that we don't notice the growth part or the blessing behind it i mean i can literally say and the funny thing is as i tell people the story most of them say well sounds like cancer saved your life and i'm like it did i mean i would have never caught my aneurysm aneurysm ever yeah had i not had a cancerous lump in my arm isn't that amazing that had to get taken care of not amazing. So, when do you think? When do you think you finally? Not finally, but when do you think you got to the point where you actually recognize that? Um, you know what? I I think it was. I think it was after I had my cancer surgery. Um, so I had I had the open heart surgery November fifth of eighteen, and uh, the cancer surgery on the twenty second, and so um, I think after that, as I was kind of recovering and I was thinking about things. Um, it kind of was starting to come to me that, you know, things happen for a reason. Um, I, I don't know why I had an aneurysm. Um, I don't know how I got it. They don't know how it happened. Uh, maybe some traumatic event that I went through that I'm trying to piece back through to see what was possibly a cause or sure, something. Sure. But, um, those are kind of unknowns though, right? Yeah. yeah. You, you don't, you don't know. I mean, yeah. things just, it happened. So, um, but yeah, I, it was somewhere around there, you know, cause, cause when we go through tough things, sometimes we go through, uh, you know, we're scared. Sometimes we go through anger. Sometimes we go through both, you know, divorce was one of those boy, those anger, scared, mm. you know, all kinds of stuff. And, um, you know, you go through that and you start to think, then you say, you start to realize why things happen. And you talk about tender mercies and, somebody's watching out for us and I have completely, you know, lived my life with that prior to this experience, to the open heart surgery and the cancer, but even much more so afterwards, you know, where I'm like, you know, things really do. And I, I'm sure my family gets kind of annoyed, you know, <laughs> you know, cause you know, I'm like, well, there's gotta be something. There's a reason why something's happening. Um, and we don't know what those reasons are unless we look for it. And we can be bitter and angry and scared and whatever else for as long as we want. But usually that time will shorten up if we start looking for the blessing that came from the experience. Yeah. You know, and then we can kind of deal with that. But, um, but yeah, it was kind of funny though. Just one little quick comment about these two surgeries. The 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 thoracic surgeon he called the oncologist and said, "Hey, okay, you got to take care of this. I got to take care of this. Why don't we do it at the same time?" 
<laughs> Seriously. She he was totally serious. And the the uh the oncologist, surgical oncologist, she's like, uh nah, why don't you do your thing? Yeah. And then when you're done, I'll do mine. That's a lot of trauma <laughs> on the body, man. Yeah. That might make the aneurysm go off before we even get it out. <laughs> right, exactly. Oh, that's, so, God, can you imagine? I know. Your chest fillet, filleted open and you got your bicep open as well. Yeah, oh, I'll tell you what. In there, but. Oh, I'll tell you what, yeah. man. Woo. That's a, uh, wow. So now you, right now you are cancer free. Cancer free. Um, Did you go I, through some chemo as well? No, we actually they treat sarcomas with radiation or surgery. Okay, because so it's more on the exterior, like closer to the exterior. Is that right? Or I, you know what? Honestly, I don't, don't know. know. Okay, I think it's more of just that that the radiation tends to do better for this type of cancer okay. than the chemo. I got you. And so I talked to a radiation oncologist before the surgery, uh-huh. and we kind of talking back with the surgical oncologist and we said, okay, let's do the surgery first. Um, and then if, if, if it, if it comes back or we didn't get enough of it or we didn't get all of it, then let's look at we radiation can, to kind of zap the rest I of it. You. But as much as they can target certain areas with radiation, there's still, it could damage more than, you know, than what they had hoped for yeah. just because of the, how the radiation works. And, and then the, your whole body's exposed too. So, you know, just kind of decided to do the surgery first. And so we did that and kind of on this, uh, for the first two years, it was every three months I'd go back in for the, an MRI and a CT scan just to make sure that nothing had spread, that the sarcoma hadn't, you know, kind of popped back up again. Yeah. And so, yeah, we're good. I mean, That's you know, awesome. we're, we'll still monitor it, um, for the next few years. Yeah. And then I think, you know, like generally it's like 10 years. They're like, okay, you're, you're good to go. Done, Get to ring the bell. Yeah. I, I think, yeah. So well, tell me, tell me how old your boys are now. 20, uh, 25 and 20. Nice. Yep. Are they moved out? <laughs> hey you know what hey basically what they say about millennials so, so they say that i think the average age now is like it's getting it's creeping up on 30 i think now yeah. but anyway yeah the older one is he's, he just got buried a couple months oh ago. that's awesome so congratulations um, to yeah, him thanks phenomenal yeah. i mean what a what a amazing story and and uh you there's that idea of hope though and and what you said to me before we we started recording is Hope leads to faith, and faith leads to miracles, and that's true. And 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 what do they say in the scriptures? They say you can't have you can't have faith without having hope. So where does it start? It starts with hope. Once hope is gone, you're in despair mode. You yeah. can't have faith when you're in despair because you you're not willing to see it. Yeah. But when you have hope, even if it's just a teeny, teeny, teeny bit of hope in you, um, then you can have faith, and then you can have miracles come when you have when there's faith involved. Yeah. And you got that miracle. And, uh, you know, I, it, what, a, what an amazing story, but powerful example of how always holding on to hope. And, and I think, I believe hope is something we can practice. Mm-hmm. I believe, I believe as we go through this life and we go through experiences and we look at other people and going through their experiences too, we can practice looking at those experiences that either we've gone through or other people have gone through and find the hope within it. Because just like you said, even in the dark times, even in the tough times, there's a blessing there and we always find it. And and that, I I think I find a lot of joy talking to older people. I could talk to Alicia's grandpa for like days and and that's how it was with my, my grandpas as well. And and my grandmas too. And, And there's a reason for that. 
because they've been through a lot of difficult things, but they know the blessing that came from those difficult things. And there's so much wisdom to give there. That's what I love about our stories. It gives me a lot of hope. And, and I think, I think you're, you're not, you're a natural at that. And I, and I think obviously from your youth and when you were sitting there reading your scriptures and just that message you got from God that he spoke to you and said, it's going to be okay. Have hope. Right. So, so tell me, you know, let's go through, let's talk, let's have a a couple more questions here. Um, moving forward, I want to, I kind of want to look at it this way, moving forward. Like, how do you, how is this, what, what, what has all this stuff that you've been through health wise, what place are you in moving forward in your life? Like, what's your goal? What do you want to accomplish? What do you want to do? You know, um, it's, it's interesting because as I, you know, as you're a kid and you have problems, you don't ever want to talk about it, right? Because, um, you just, you know, really private, you haven't learned how to share or why to share or anything. And I kept a lot of the things that I went through to myself. I mean, some, some of them were kind of visible and people knew about them, but you know, they don't know really what's going on. And even, even you know, the liver, the liver issue, the original cancer, this whole last thing, it's really not been until these last two events that I really started to think that, and, and realize kind of like you were saying that we are on this earth to help one another. We all go through things differently to help one another. Um, but we all go through, some of us go through the same things. And so if, if I can help somebody to give them a little bit more hope um, because of things I've gone through, then that makes it kind of worth it. Yeah, you know what I mean? Totally. And I know people that have gone through things that have helped me. And, you know, I am grateful for them and they don't know it, you know, and it could be something I like, like this. I hear somebody I don't even know about on a podcast or radio or TV. And you're like, Oh my gosh, they went through something hard and I can do it too. You know, I mean, so I think going forward, it's more of not hiding, but sharing when appropriate. I mean, most of our experiences are very personal. Uh, We have a lot of um, experiences that are very spiritual and sometimes we, we tend to not want to share them, but I think given the right circumstances and for the right reasons, it's, it's amazing. And that's why we're allowed to have these. I mean, if you think about Christ and what he did, why did he have his experiences? It was for us, right? We look back on him and we say, well, this, you know, he went through those things. Okay. And I can't say that he had cancer, but he went through those same types of feelings um, to help me through it. So you know, it that that's kind of I think going forward is in terms of this. I love right? it in yeah. terms of this. So I love it. I think, you know, and and knowing the kind of guy you are, the first time we connected at that networking event, um, you're not afraid to talk to people, and so now with that extra desire to, um, really connect with people, and and it's inter- it's interesting when when you start to live that way, where you start to understand vulnerability is a powerful thing, and a blessing. Yeah. Um. You actually, it's it's amazing what happens is you're more willing to share your story and people around you are like 
chomping at the bit for an opportunity to share theirs too. It's, it's so freeing for yeah. people to hear somebody so willingly like share their dark times and like tough times. It doesn't mean we need to go spill our guts about everything in the world. Right. I mean, right. Like, you don't, I don't even know talked about all my drug uses and what mm-hmm. that did to me and whole, you know, who cares? But like the fact that I've been through these things and, and, and if appropriate and, and, you can share those with, but what, like the message is, and and the important thing is, what's the gift it gave you? Yeah. Right. Like what you gotta, you gotta give that gift in your vulnerability or the very first time that you do it, you'll learn that if you don't know what that gift is, you're going to find it by being vulnerable. Yeah. And that's, that's the power of opening up and sharing. You release, there was a one, there was a, we went through an accident. I told you about a tragic accident. Alicia and I got hit by a car. We're on a scooter and um, while we were in the hospital for weeks recovering, Alicia was dealing with PTSD. I mean, you, as you can imagine, yeah. she was alert the whole time. I was, I don't remember the accident. I don't remember like a few hours before the accident. And my, I had traumatic brain injuries and I just have no recollection. Um, but Alicia had, you know, crazy trauma, crazy PTSD, yeah. like just intense. And she was, she had a hard time sleeping at night. I think that's one night she said that she saw like purple little creatures crawling on the wall, right? Oh, like no. crazy, right? But in, maybe that was some of the drugs, whatever. But anyway, um, she was dealing with a lot of that trauma. And and one of the nurses, very wise nurse said, "What what's happening is your brain is holding on to these things because they're important. This trauma is important. It wants to remember what you went through, right? So write it down. If you'll go sit down and write it down, write all your feelings down, what you're, what you're experiencing, what you went through, it, then your brain knows that you put it in a safe place. And when you put it in a safe place, you release it. Huh. And she did that. And she actually, like that next night and all the other nights slept really good. And she didn't deal with it as much. Now, it's not completely gone, but that, yeah. that it does. You unload. And that's what vulnerability does for you. Yeah. And people that hear it, respond yeah um okay so back to you sorry to go off on a tangent there i I, I, I enjoy this um let's tell me about tell me about um as you as you were in that moment in 2000 let's go back to 2008 a little bit yeah because that was like your rock bottom right Mm -hmm. um what was your relationship like at that point with god i mean at that point it was interesting because, you know, here I was um, uh, divorced for four years at this time, you know, and I, I thought, I, I, don't, I don't think I was at my strongest point, to be honest with you, with my relationship with him. Okay. Um, and I, I don't, it's not like I, I lost my testimony. I just maybe felt like I was a little bit loosey in, in what I had really done prior to that and how I had lived my life prior to that in terms of my focus on, um, the gospel and, and just the things that, that would make somebody happy and, and so forth. Kind and of more structured. Yeah. And it was kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of in a selfish stage, Okay, you know? Yeah. You're wounded. Yeah. I mean, you know, and so it kind of came, it kind of came at a time, you know, where you think we get humbled. You can either humble yourself or, <laughs> or somebody's going to be, gonna be yeah, that's a, <laughs> right. that good old word, right? Exactly. Yeah. And you know, it's funny is I try to tell my kids that. Yeah. And I'm like, look, you know what? I'm just telling you, yeah. 
you can humble yourself or you will be humbled. So and I guess it, with a lot of the experience. And it like, ain't me that's going to humble you guys, right? right? Like the, like me slapping yeah. to the butt's not humbling. But the man upstairs knows how to humble you. He yeah. will. He'll do what it takes. Yeah. Yep. So, and so you know, that's where I think it really kind of got me back into, look, this is what is important in life. Yeah. And, you know, you asked about what my worries were, my big, you know, it was my boys. It brought me back into really eternity and what was important. Yeah. And that's where I really started again to say, I really want to be married again. Yeah. I really want to have a family. I want to be back on this progression towards somewhere. Interesting. You know? Your your coming back to humility almost made it so that you trusted more. Yeah. Right. You yeah. you came back to this point of humility, and then in humility you look to God because you recognize that you have no power to create, you have no power to overcome, you can't create miracles. Yeah. God can. So when, as you come to your humility, you recognize. I mean, not recognize him. You already knew he's there, but you connect with him mm -hmm. more. Your desire to do so is more, and. And that, that that's that's pretty amazing that that humility connected you more, and then the doors started to open for you. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, cool. and then it just led on to everything else. You know, every every experience you've had, I've had since then. It's it's you know, okay, there's something that's going on. And, yeah. And you get a little bit of scared. I mean, I know that night that I was before my heart surgery. Um, I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't know the next day if I was going to wake up or not. Yeah. You know, I mean, you get cooled down to 63 degrees, your body's gone. You're on you know? ice. I mean, so you don't know. And, and, the, and the doctors aren't shy about saying that this is a major, major surgery. I mean, we're messing around with your ticker here. Yeah. You know? um, but, but at the same time, you know, again, I felt like I, this is what I really feel like. I really truly feel blessed every day, every day that I have a day and that I'm with the people that I love. I get to do the things that I do and I get to learn more. I get to have more experience. I can meet people deeper, you know, meet yeah. people in a more like you right now and stuff. And that's life. I mean, that's what's the beauty of life. And I know that one day my time will be up. And it will be, look, I can look back and I know if I'm on a table in a hospital or however it's going to be, I'll say I'm thankful. I had a great life. I mean, and I truly, and I, don't, I truly, truly mean this. I feel super thankful every day. I, you know, the, the, after my heart surgery, I, I felt so again, protected and just uh, I was glad to be back on my bike and riding. I love I love raising money for cancer research. That's so cool. For I do, I've done the the bike MS a few times. Yeah. And, you know, I just I like it. And you know, I did this one thing that I wanted to that summer. I didn't know how I was going to feel, where I was going to be, and I I signed up for the ultimate challenge here in Salt Lake. It was it's a, one of the stages of the tour of Utah. Yeah. So all okay. the all the you know, wannabes. Is I this guess. like 2018 after the heart? 2019. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And gosh, that was a good year. And I signed up for this ride this, you know, and, um, it was really super challenging. I think it was 95 miles and about 10,000 feet of climbing all through park city and up guardsman pass. And, and I'll say this, um, I was the last person to finish that thing. 
Um, there were people that, that didn't finish that, you know, maybe I wasn't the last, but there were people that didn't finish, but of the people that finished, I was the last. And I walked up empire pass for two miles because of things that were going on. But, you know, I felt this gratitude of I'm here and I went through this stuff and I wasn't going to quit on it. And so as I rolled through the finish line when it was barely there anymore and people were all gone and stuff, I was just like, to me, it was a victory. Yes. I was like, hey, I made it. I, and, and and it was a really great summer and I felt really blessed ever since. And I, I feel fantastic. That is so cool. I mean, honestly, I, I, I have never felt better in my life. That doesn't mean that I don't have worries. Sure. Doesn't mean that I don't ask my wife if I'm, why I feel numb here or there and I'm worried about having a stroke. Still or got that liver thing liver, going, right? You know, like, yeah. you know, but, but it's just, it's just great. I mean, life's awesome. We have challenges and it's just part of it. And, um, and I, and I feel there's a lot of people that, that really go through hard stuff. I don't think the things I've gone through as hard. I look at other people and the things that they've gone through and I truly feel like I couldn't do it. I don't know how they do it, you know? And so as I see other people go through things, I literally, it humbles me to know that they're fighting. I have a next door neighbor. I'm going to introduce you to him. Awesome. Young man, just fantastic. Um, and I see the stuff that he goes through and I'm like, you know, and he doesn't go showboated around. And he just lives his life and he has faith and it's just powerful. And I, and there's so many people out there that, that live like that. Yeah. And it just like, like we talked about, I mean, we help, we help each other. Yeah. We, we, we feed off of each other. I think, I think the thing that's so cool about that though, is all my toughest trials, challenges, the things that have stretched my soul have given me greater compa compassion. Yeah. And that, that ability to love people. I don't, I, I, the happy, I feel so happy when I'm looking outside of myself and it is so much easier to do that now. I'm trying to look at people. I'm trying to connect with people when I'm, when I am in the same room as you, I want to meet you. doesn't matter what for, just want to meet you and hopefully connect with you in that short time. Right. And, and that's because of all the stuff I went through that got me to that point where that's where I wanted to be because I learned that the joy, the real true joy in this life comes from the ability to serve and lift somebody else. Cause when you've been in a hard spot and somebody's done that for you and you have the chance to do that for somebody else, that's what gives us joy. And, um, I, yeah, so I, I, I think, I think you, what an awesome story. And thanks so much for sharing. Yeah. I mean, you, you're, you are one of those guys that when you walk into a room, you're like, there's something about this guy. Yeah, Cause that's what happened when I met you. And that was before you even went through your aneurysm and your cancer, but you'd been through all that other stuff with your liver and you know, and, and it's preparing you for whatever's next. Now, when you leave tonight, I'm going to go upstairs, get on my knees and say, Hey, yeah. can Curtis be done with like the physical <laughs> stuff? Let's give him, let's give him like some other stuff that he could worry about. So that's yeah. the hope. But you know, I, 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 uh, thank you for your example. Thank you for sharing your story and, I, I've learned a lot from listening to you and there's things in my life that I can adjust a little bit and I can plant those seeds of hope a little bit stronger in my life. So, um, I want to put a plug in for your uh, brother-in-law too. Oh yeah. Um, 
brother-in-law, I, ho- I sure hope you'll uh, send Curtis a bill one of these days and just say, hey, this is for all that back pay that you owe me because I think he's worked a full-time job uh, for you, man. For sure. Yeah. That is for sure. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah. Is there I anything really... Is there anything else you want to leave? Any no, Any just... words of wisdom? Or I mean, I know you kind of gave us the gift was like yep. the idea of hope, yep. right? Yeah, hope. Don't don't let despair take over um, hope. I I had you know one of my really good friends growing up. Um, about let's see, it was probably five years ago, I think. Um, took his life, mm. and obviously, you know, people that get to that point despair you know they're they're completely i mean it's and i can't imagine i can't even imagine um so i would say you know have hope hang on reach out there's people that always want to help in any circumstance mental issues physical emotional whatever there's people there's people there and don't lose hope Hope will lead to faith. Faith leads to miracles. I love it. And and miracles are what it's all about. Yep. I, I Real quick, I have to say one last thing, that despair piece. So Taylor Napierski that I had on two epi- episodes before, mm-hmm. when, well, a couple before when yours will come out, he, he talked about despair for a second. He said something I'll, I've always, I will always remember. He said, when you get to that point, so despair and desperation come from the same root. And... Just, they're totally different though. Cause when you're in despair, you're gloom and doom mm-hmm. and you stay there. That's where you don't let, you don't lift yourself above the fog. Desperate means you're scrappy. Mm-hmm. Like you will do whatever you got to do to survive. And, and it doesn't matter if it's the right thing or the wrong thing. Yeah. It doesn't matter when you are in that moment, yeah. get desperate. Don't go into despair, get desperate and do whatever you got to do. Because no life should ever leave this earth because of despair. Get desperate. And that, that, you know, hopefully that will lead to hope and then lead to faith and then lead to miracles. So let's start with desperation, right? (laughs) Right. Said sometimes maybe that's That's true. But, but Curtis, thank you so much for coming and sharing your story with us. And, and I, I know, I I mean, it's amazing every time somebody shares a story that there are people out there that get strength and, and, you know, you guys, if if you've if you've connected with with uh, Curtis's story, or you have questions for him about anything, um, Curtis, I'm gonna I'm gonna connect you to when I post about this on social yeah. media, and, and if, is that okay if people reach out to you? Yeah, for sure. Awesome. For sure. Yep. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks right, for your friend. time. Thanks. Thank you for tuning in to Come Towards Delight, the podcast. I truly hope you enjoyed today's show. I would love to hear your feedback. You can subscribe to this podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcast or any podcast platform you use. If you or someone you know has a delightful story to share that I need to talk to, please email me at come towards delight at gmail.com.